Feeling dissatisfied with your comic's existing art and story? Do you look at your early pages and think, I could do better? Have you found that your friends' and readers' reactions to your story beats weren't quite what you had hoped? Never fear, friend. Editing is here for you in your time of need. Consider letting editing into your creative life. Side effects may include tighter plot, intense emotions, increased sense of satisfaction, depth, and epiphanies about story, theme, and direction. Four out of four screen tones podcasters recommend editing. Talk to your beta group or visit beacons.ai slash screen tones cast for more information. Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Every time, every time yeah. you hit it, we're just like, oh my god, it actually is happening. It's magical. Whoa. We're always surprised. I know. Every time. Um, it's so... like we're prepared or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> we're prepared to be surprised. Oh my god. Let, edit I'll have this to out. edit this out. All right. Hello, and welcome to Screen Tones, where we talk anything and everything webcomics. Today, we're going to be talking about editing. I'm your host, Crispy. My pronouns are she, they, and I write Ghost Junk Sickness. And I'm Delphina. My pronouns are she, her, and I make the comic Sombulous. I'm Varathane. My pronouns are she, they, and I make the webcomics Chiralt and Witchwood. And I am Renny. I also use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomic Kate Blast. Beautiful. So, editing. Editing is the process of updating and revising ideas, art, or finished story. It's both an ongoing process. Writing a story usually involves a lot of going back to change the things you wrote down before moving forward, and something that can happen in one big burst after a bunch of content has been completed. Every creator experiences editing a little differently and has their own preference for the process. Some folks self-edit as they go, and they never change things once the page is done. Some become dissatisfied with the sequences months or years and go back to change them. Others might only start the process of revising after an in-depth consultation with an editor, beta reader, or peer critique group. So proofreading is a term that applies to checking for typos, continuity errors, or obvious mistakes. Um, it's the most surface level approach. And for the most part, we'll be talking about deeper structural changes. But it is worth noting that some types of editing are very straightforward. Uh, it's common in novel writing or traditionally published comic circles for stories to go through multiple drafts before a finished product is put in front of the public. Web comics are unique in that they launch online before the whole story is finished, which can lead to some challenges in the editing process, as it's all happening live in front of the audience. In today's episode, we'll be talking about those challenges, but also some of the really cool things that editing can do for you if you let it into your life. So let's go into the questions about editing, and I want to ask the group. Delphi, I'm going to ask you first about this. What part does editing play in your creative process during the pre-production stage of your webcomic? Oh, gosh. Well, um, it definitely happens for sure quite a bit. Um, my process for Sombulous involves um, throwing my pages at a small circle of friends, um, and they're usually pretty good at pointing out stuff as I work. Um, if I have a loose written outline, sometimes I'll show that to them um, and ask their thoughts, but a lot of times I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> more often than not, I'll, I'll usually just throw things at them um, when it's at a sketch stage um, with an initial script um, phase, just the the word bubbles are in there loosely. Um, just as soon as it's technically possible for another human who is not me to tell what's happening. Um, so we can start talking about how a reader is going to perceive things page to page. Mm -hmm. um, and I can get any doubts or questions um, out of my mind and we can start workshopping that together. Um, or even sometimes I don't, sometimes I just drop a page at them and say, just hear how they react and what they know, what they notice or what they don't notice. Um, 
And different friends will focus on different things. So I've really gotten a lot out of involving a few different people in my process. Um, and from their feedback, I distill it into what I want to edit. Um, and then as I draw, I build those edits into the pages because drawing takes a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it gives me a few hours to kind of ruminate on like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm like, mm, no, that's not the direction I want to go. Um, and so, so that drawing time is also a little time to mentally process um, what I want to include on the final page that I post on my site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, you know, it's one thing to kind of edit with a novel or just the script and stuff like that. But it's definitely another thing to edit the comic in itself that has all these different kind of layers and different kind of things that you have to consider. But I really do like the fact that you brought up that part with the fact that you are going to get different reactions from different people. And it's just always something to kind of keep in mind if you're creating for a larger audience, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Thane, I want to ask you the same question about, you know, what part does editing play in the pre-production of your comics? Similar to Delphina, I also show just about everything to friends and beta readers beforehand. I limit what I tell some people because uh I mean as as she was saying like sometimes I want to uh get feedback that is similar to what readers might experience uh Mm -hmm. we we went into this part of the topic in a bit more detail during the critique episode um but that's a major part of my process is just receiving that feedback which can guide me in what I'm gonna do (laughs) with the material um I always self-edit uh, to a, con- a considerable extent, like um, I, I have a lot of documents that I keep on the side for kind of my own reference where uh, every chunk of time, I don't really have a schedule for this, but at least every like few weeks or a couple of months, um, I'll try to write out little notes about what my goals are for the story, where I am right now, like what's the scene I'm currently working on and what do I want to do with it? Like what's the whole story picture mm-hmm. looking like just so I kind of stay on top of what I want to be doing in the story. And I make sure that like the scenes that I'm creating are in line with that, because if I want to be making a part of the story, that's going to be really intense and emotional. uh, Maybe I want to trim weird little offshoots and like side scenes and stuff like that to make sure that I'm kind of keeping with like the thrust of what I want to do. Or if I want things to be, if I want to have a little bit of levity inserted in the middle I, I make sure that I kind of figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do I do a lot of like reading over my own notes and throwing out certain things. And uh, every stage of the process is kind of a new opportunity to look over what I'm doing. Yes. I always change things. Uh, basically, I'll, I'll write I'll write an outline and then I'll start scripting from that outline. And things will invariably change as soon as I've actually started that process. Because once I'm trying to put things into the characters' voices, I'll realize that actually they would say something a bit different than what I thought. And uh, and then once I have the script, I'll start thumbnailing based on the script. And once the visuals are in there, I'll start to also realize like, oh, this tiny change of expression has completely recontextualized the line that the character is saying. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it better this way. So I'm mm-hmm. going to lean into that. And then I have to edit everything else. And uh, once I start sketching, like the same thing will happen. Things will sharpen up a little bit. I'll notice a whole bunch of new things that I need to change and so on, all the way up until the page is actually done. So the whole process of creation really is like kind of a lot of editing as I go. I'll, I'll think I have a clear idea of what I'm doing. And then I, I feel like it's never really final up until I've actually like put the finishing touches on the page. And even yeah. then. I can still go back into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely making the fact that like, you know, web comics are kind of like that live uh, medium. And I do really like that you mentioned having little goals for yourself uh, to kind of keep yourself in check with like the, the, the whole total vision. Cause I think like, it's really interesting with web comics being that medium that is live, the page gives go up and you're kind of experiencing it with the audience at the same time. Um, it has the potential to shift with it because you're also getting those live reactions too. So it's good to kind of keep yourself in check. Uh, I think definitely with the moods and the atmospheres and, you know, those little goals that you're creating to 
you know, have that vision kind of see through as the work completes itself. Um, I did want to ask Rennie the same question. Tell me about uh, how how you deal with this. Yeah, so editing for, at least in the pre-production for me, has changed a lot over time. Uh, as I said in one of the previous episodes, um, a lot of my early pages and most of chapter one was mostly like okay i'm just gonna do this live and let's go <laughs> um which I, I i do not recommend that process <laughs> i know there are some people who can pull it off i am not one of those people um is one of the things that i learned because like as this is my first web comic there's been a lot of learning and like honing in on my process mm-hmm. and uh a lot of that has also been honing in on editing and like being able to look at my work from sort of an external lens and remove myself at least a little bit so i try and like kind of turn the part of my brain off that remembers that oh yeah this is my own work um <laughs> and i try and uh you know i write out the outline and like, i do basically the same thing Dane does where it's you know the write the bit the big bullet point outline and then go in the scripts um i have a layer in between where i go by book and i so i have the overall story outline the book outline and mm-hmm. then the chapter outline and then the script so through each of those stages that acts as like a, a sieve kind mm-hmm. of filtering out what actually I want in the story um, and what kind of like, okay, this is nice, but it's not important. Um, this is the sugar glaze to put on later if there's room or if it fits. Yeah. Um, so it's trying to like distill down to what is the essence of what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even then, like once I get actually going into the pages, so much changes from like when I start drawing a chapter until I finish drawing the chapter um, that like there's, it's a constant like tweaking process and that tweaking will never really go away mm-hmm. um, just given how long web comics take. Um, so it's just taking a look at like a lot of like the story elements are what I focus on. And I really in the pre-production process, I, more or less ignore most of the of the um dialogue nuance until the very end mm-hmm. um i like to get at least an essence of what is going to be said um and even if it's like a slightly more specific than just an essence but like the actual specifics of what they actually say in their sentence in their in their character's voice doesn't come until i've actually even drawn until the page is actually drawn mm-hmm. um so a lot of at least that dialogue editing the challenges from that comes in uh I, a lot of people are able to copy and paste directly from their script document directly into their comic pages um but because of the way i do things i'm not able to do that so i i have to rely on a lot more um spell checking or proofreading or like does this sound right or like um does this sound like something this person would say um, where it's either whether it's self-editing or getting a beta to look at is it. like, hey, does this sound like something that you know Kate would say? Mm-hmm. Um, so you made a really, really good point about the fact that the tweaking never goes away. And I think that like with web comics being so long-winded, um, you change as well. You as a person, you as a writer, you as an mm-hmm. artist will change as this journey kind of unfolds. So there is definitely a part that you know you will look back at your old art and be like gosh you know i wish that this was this way or you look at you know a a scene and you're like i wish it was another way but the magic uh behind comics uh on the web is that you know you do have the power and the potential to go at this stuff and do editing to make that vision kind of you know come to to its full realization now i know definitely further along in this episode i do want to talk about what is too much with editing um but before we go there i did want to ask now we're at you know we discussed about the the pre-production stage about what we're doing with our web comics before we post it online we are now posting our pages online and how do you as a creator decide when it's time to kind of edit something that you did post and it is read by the audience? Uh, starting with you, Delphi. Yeah. So for me, um, it really boils down to when I'm ready to do a new printed book for Sombulus. That's a 
a really good time for me because I've got a little space away from from the comic. I've had like a t- time to it, forget <laughs> a little bit of my story so I can read it fresh again. Um, and that's when I start looking to do a more formalized pass. Um, and this is a deep, deliberate dive um, that I call on the help of my larger comic community. Um, I, I look at reader comments and what resonated with them when the page went up for the first time. Usually that's kind of a few years ago. Um, and then also sometimes I hire an editor um, to take a look because, you know, I'm going to be kickstarting it. I'm going to be putting it into print and I want to make sure it's um, it's the best I can do at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so my process, I usually break it up and try to review one scene a month. It, it tends to be about eight to 10 pages. Um, and I'll either redraw or rearrange the panels if I need to, um, tweak the dialogue. Um, and I actually mine this process for Patreon content. Um, oh. I make a little graphic with something that reads like a change log on a software patch. Like, you know, I, I oh gave this villain alliteration to maximize their silliness. Or, <laughs> um, you know, I decompressed this scene to increase the emotional impact. Um, well, things like that. So, um, and then I'll post the, the edited pages. I'll put that all together for my Patreon patrons to check out. Um, And keeping to that monthly Patreon post is a nice way to make sure I'm making progress without overwhelming myself. Yes. You know, one scene a month, one post a month, that's it. And that's a sustainable um, schedule for me so I can continue to make ongoing pages because I, I don't stop going forward during this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't take a break. I don't take a hiatus or anything like that. It, this is a very normal part of my process and it, it just kind of goes on in the background. Um, and then when I'm through all the pages that are going to be in that printed volume um, and I'm ready to do my Kickstarter, just before I'm ready to do my Kickstarter, I replace them in my public archive and just re-upload those files. I really like that. And, you know, that's a really important kind of process to Sombulus because it is 11 years old, correct? Mm -hmm. And you just reached over a thousand pages. I Uh, did. That's so cool. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, you know, and I think that I love that you said that you, you never stop going forward because that's just really, really important. Again, you know, how to stop yourself from kind of stepping backwards and almost, you know, getting stuck in that loop of trying to make it perfect I think it's you know that's a really really good system to kind of keep yourself in check being like no we're still going to complete this this will get done it's just slowly being um it's keeping up with where I am now yeah uh, for sure and I think too I don't know that I would have been able to do that when I was three or four years into the process. Interestingly enough, I don't think, I think it's a stamina thing and you kind of have to build that endurance um, to make sure that like, okay, I am comfortable enough with my process to be able to both continue the story and make these edits. So Mm -hmm. it might be something that you have to work up to um, if if you're just starting out, but um, it's worth it. Yeah, I definitely I echo that statement 100%. Um, I remember doing our comic and it, it, it does feel overwhelming because I mean, webcomic artists are sorry, creators have uh, a million different hats for things to keep up with. But uh, like you said, Delphi, once you start to kind of get into your groove and get comfortable uh, with the process that you have, that definitely opens more avenues to kind of explore and be like, now let's fine tune the vision that we had for this story. Um, now I do have the same question I would like to ask Thane, how do you decide when it's time to edit, you know, your published work on the web? I generally go by kind of my own gut feeling for the most part. Uh, I've been trying to, to use that as kind of a barometer, uh, for when, when something really needs to be changed. It, it's interesting. The thing about the stamina that Delfina was saying is definitely true. Um, and when I was working on my first comic, Geralt, I was not doing very many edits over the course of working on it up until I 
started printing volumes of it. (laughs) It's just a good, if you need an arbitrary point to start editing, there are a few things that are better than knowing that all of a sudden your work is about to be set in, uh, well, paper and not stone, but something (laughs) tangible that you can't really change at a moment's notice. Um, And for a while, that was kind of the only time that I would really do substantial amounts of edits Mm -hmm. uh and like i redrew half of my volume one before i went to print it for the first time back in like 2015 my approach with witchwood is different but i feel like because i had that experience with charelt i feel more confident to make edits kind of whenever i (laughs) feel like i want to do it and there there could be a couple of triggers one of which is again, feedback from like my friends, peer, peer reviewers, that sort of thing. Um, it'll, it has to go through the level one filter, which is, do I agree with this feedback? <laughs> um, but if I do, I mean, if I've heard somebody give me some like really good critique on my story and I keep thinking about it, I'm like, oh man, they're right. Uh, I naturally will want to do something about it. And mm-hmm. I, I've been trying to do those changes as I'm thinking about them so that I can keep kind of the energy of thinking about it, I guess. Um, Like I'll, I'll write out a whole bunch of notes and stuff and kind of figure it out. Um, But there, you know, sometimes you, you realize something about the story that you've been working on and you realize that it is a thing that might be holding you back. Like in, uh, in Witchwood, um, the nature of the, the plot that I had written means that the characters, the main characters of the story are kind of plucked out of the, so to speak, normal world very Mm -hmm. early on. And they're put into this kind of secret facility, uh, which they kind of try to escape from and stuff like that. Um, And because of this structure, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to show what the outside world was like. And over the course of writing it, it started to bother me kind of a lot. I was like, oh boy, like I, I really can't show readers like what the actual world building that I spent a lot of time and energy thinking about and like deciding for myself, none of that's actually in here yet. And people are starting to make assumptions about what kind of world this whole story is taking place in mm-hmm. that I have no input in because I'm just not having opportunities to show it. And uh, one of the edits that I did kind of early on was to add two pages to the very beginning of the story, just as kind of a little like, almost like a promo trailer to ease into that yes. sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, that that was sort of the main driving force for that one is just this this thing that was nagging at the back of my head. No, uh, I, yeah. I really like that you like, you know, it, it was definitely like something that you thought of to kind of keep in that momentum Um, with the story that you're still writing similar to Delphi where it's just like the train's not stopping but (laughs) the confidence that I had built up uh, working on comics for so long definitely helps you kind of tackle them and you know tune them to your 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 truest vision uh, when you had that so editing honestly it's it's definitely a tool uh, to have in your back pocket when you do such large projects and you know just kind of approaching it with something that works for you is 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 something that you know it takes time to learn but honestly the result is definitely worth it uh rennie uh same goes to you how do you decide when your comic is published online you know when it's time to to edit and and tackle these things oh god uh, if I, I have I have done so many retcons and re- and uh, edits after it's gone up, uh, I, I swear if I had like a change log like Delphi has, it would read like that Sims three patch notes where it's you know, <laughs> Grim Reaper is no longer you know prevented from reaping souls due to band affiliation or something. <laughs> um, it, it's it, uh, uh, I do so much after the fact because when I went into making Kate Blast. The very first thing I said to myself is like, this is my first webcomic. This is my training wheels webcomic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be things that I make now that in two or three years I might not like. Yeah. Um, but I also made the promise to myself that I did not want to get into redraw hell as what I call where you just, you know, you grow your art grows and then you go, oh, well, I don't like the look of the old stuff. So I'm just going to redo it. And then you get stuck redrawing the same one chapter because you're growing but you're not progressing yes um so 
For me, a lot of my edits after the fact, I try and keep mostly to the writing. Um, there's occasional bits where I go back and redraw things, but um, mostly what uh, the sign that tells me it is when my story trajectory has changed, mm-hmm. or I get a very or I get a sizable feedback that hey, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the big thing was that I uh, I re- the first thing I did was I retconned the original prologue, which was six pages of lore that is completely irrelevant now because the story ended up going a completely different direction, and I inserted the a new four page prologue instead mm-hmm. and a, and two pages after that as part of like you know non prologue lead in like they did um sort of establish you know the world a little bit better and you know ease into that first scene but um a lot of it is just tweaking dialogue throughout throughout the throughout the the time making sure that i'm dropping enough the breadcrumbs that are leading to the right place or mm-hmm. removing breadcrumbs that are leading somewhere that's that the story is no longer going mm-hmm. and, and like i said earlier it's uh i really try and ignore the art for the most part unless it's something that's like this is very clear that needs to be fixed yeah or needs to be changed because if you look at like cape last the original page 1 versus the one that's going to go up next whatever whenever this recording goes up live um, <laughs> the the difference is stark and it's barely crossing the 100 page mark mm-hmm. um and it's taken me what two and a half three years to get here so am i going to sacrifice another two or three years to redraw 80 to 100 pages no um and then by the time i do that 80 to 100 pages my skill's going to be improved again so it's mm-hmm. there's I, as a newer artist on the on the grand scale of things, I I try and like embrace that because um, I think that's one of the beautiful things with web comics is you can see the change and you can see the growth. So yeah. embrace that and, um, and the fact that like most web comic creators have something else going on. Like I I have a day job uh, that keeps me away from comics a lot, and then I have a bunch of other things in my life. So. I can only draw eight to 10 pages a month. Mm -hmm. And am I going to sacrifice some of those to redo pages that are already up or am I going to keep plotting, plowing forward? So um, uh, I tend to go back and review old pages a couple times a year. Um, It's not a sort of a regular schedule, but it's more of a, when I reach certain way marks, like, okay, I'm halfway through chapter three or okay, I'm at the end of chapter two or I'm reaching a, a marker point where it's like, okay, this is a spot where it makes sense to go back and look. And is this still going the direction I want it to? And what are some low hanging fruit changes that I can do immediately? And that's sort of my self editing approach. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I do like to get like, even if it's pages that are already up, I like to get like that stuff. Like I do with the pre-production stuff. I get those to betas and I get those to other people and go, Hey, can you give this a quick read? I am looking for this specifically. Um, does the pacing in this scene match up and lead where I want it to go in the future and the stuff in the future stuff that you just read? Um, and I'll get a lot of really good feedback, and that'll give me pinpoint accuracy on okay, with the limited time that I have available to go and do these edits, that'll pinpoint me to the exact spots that need fixing. Mm-hmm. I really like Thane's approach, like uh again, you know, having that that goal set in mind just kind of being like okay like you know absolutely yeah yeah. like kind of refreshing like where's this (laughs) where's this crazy train going that's for you (laughs) great (laughs) (laughs) um you know where where are we going where are we headed where what is my overall vision because like you know like we've all kind of discussed you know it's a transformative kind of medium like you're going to be changing and seeing the improvement as you go along and i mean that's one of my favorite things to see in web comics is to see the before, you know, page one versus page 100 versus page 500 versus page 1000. It's actually really incredible to see all of like the different uh, techniques and, and tips and whatnot that you've grown throughout, you know, those years making them. Because like we'll say a lot in this podcast, uh, web comics uh creating them you do have a lot of hats you you wear a lot of like you know different kind of abilities to to make them what they are and to uh excel in several kind of different mediums and and techniques that's pretty crazy that's definitely 
that's definitely pretty cool to kind of um, go through and, and, and solidify as a creator. Hi, Delphina here to catch you up on Claire's webcomic, Phantom Marine, which is very close to being done with its first full volume. Go, Claire! It's a spooky, seafaring fantasy about a haunted ocean, a ghostly princess, and her journey to save her soul from a death god known as the Red Tide King. You can currently check out Phantom Marine on Hiveworks, and maybe, just maybe, you can look forward to a printed edition Kickstarter in the next little while. Stay tuned, stay spooky, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, I definitely wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what you had mentioned, Rennie, about Redraw Hell, uh, especially with us talking about edits for webcomics, and because you can edit them uh, freely, um, you know, how do we as creators uh, kind of prevent, like, how do we stop ourselves from going overboard uh with edits like you know at what point is you know is it time to be like all right this is a lot of edits and we need to let it breathe uh delphi what do you think of that well um what helps for me um there's so many different skills in making a webcomic like you said um so there's a lot of things that you can look for when you sit down for an editing session um i find it sort of helpful to sort things into four tiers um, tier one is proofreading. And like we said at the beginning, um, it, we all spell things wrong sometimes. Fix it when you catch it. It takes five minutes. No mm-hmm. problem. Um, always fix those. Um, tier two is kind of what I call rendering fixes. So maybe that's anatomy. Maybe that's perspective. Um, just like something that you drew that you could have drawn better. Um, And I won't say that's never a problem, but that's the kind of problem that an artist will often notice very much and a reader will notice very little. Um, (laughs) So if, yeah, if you have a problem with any of these things where it's like, it kind of looks like a chair, it it looks like a chair enough, but I could have drawn a clearer chair. Like, uh, I really think you should skip over that and just only address it if it's a matter of visual clarity, which is kind of my tier three. Mm-hmm. Um, visual clarity is about a lot of things, but what it boils down to is, am I distracting the reader too much visually with my layout or my l- rendering or my lettering choices such that they can't tell what's going on and they are being distracted from the story? Um, so things for me that that has included is, um, making sure my text bubbles weren't blocking the action, Uh, making sure I was picking a readable font, Um, getting my panels zoomed out to see the environment so the readers knew where the characters were, Um, Mm -hmm. keeping the line of action and the panel order easy to follow, Um, making sure I was following the 180 rule more often than not, which is basically you want to make sure from panel to panel, the character on the left stays on the left and the character on the right stays on the right. And you're not switching the camera around um, too much because you want to anchor the reader a little better. Um, It just all kinds of little cinematography and paneling things like that, that I pick up along the way that help me convey the story better. Mm -hmm. Um, And for visual clarity edits, I do think it's pretty easy to integrate those almost any time. So whatever pace works for you, like I said before, I do it about a month at a time. Um, That's that's what I've built into my plans. Um, But other people, you know, maybe you want to take a break between chapters and do that kind of cleanup stuff while you're on holiday hiatus or something. Um, maybe you want to wait until you're closer towards making a print volume, whatever is sustainable for your your schedule and goals. Um, And the nice thing is the longer you go, the less you'll really have to change um, in regards to visual clarity, um, because I think most artists get the hang of it after a while. It doesn't Mm -hmm. ever 100% go away. Um, (laughs) About a month ago, I drew a pile of clothes and about 50% of my readers thought it was a melted body. No! And the big problem was like all oh, of my no. favorite reader friends were super into body horror. So they're like, oh yeah, I saw a melted body. I thought that was what you were going for. That looked pretty metal. And I was like, no! Rad. So that got 
changed real fast because that wasn't just a chair that I drew wonky. That that misinterpretation actually changed the writing and confused my readers, and I did not. Want that. Um, just a casually melted body sitting there. That's fine. But it was so cool. Yeah, it was. It, it makes sense in context. Go read Sambulus. Sambulus dot com. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, but when the interpretation changes the writing, that's kind of what you look for in visual clarity things. And the mm-hmm. last tier, tier four for me is developmental editing. Um, and that's less changing about, uh, less about changing things so that the reader knows what's happening and more about changing things so they know why it's happening. Yes. Um, so for this, I personally like to la- wait until a few years after a page has gone live, five years maybe. I mean, it depends on your long-term game. Um, but I want to forget a little because it's starting to fade from my memory, then it's definitely fading from other people's memories. And I feel Mm -hmm. a little safer in my knowledge that the changes I make won't be too startling. Um, And then I get to read it again with fresh eyes after doing a a few more chapters and seeing where things went to Rennie's point. Like sometimes you put breadcrumbs there and they never went anywhere. You didn't really go with that. and it doesn't need to be there. Why is this there? It doesn't need to be there. Um, I've gained some new insights since I drew those future pages. So knowing what I know now, um, I can just keep the things that are building towards that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to my awesome friend, Robin Childs, who does professional developmental editing and works with webcomic creators a lot about this sort of thing. Um, And we were talking about how creators are often stuck with these semi-meandering beginnings when they were still figuring out uh, where the story was going to go. And it can be difficult sometimes to figure out how to find a satisfying continuation or conclusion for the whole idea. I mean, do you stay married to an idea that you had five years ago and you don't like it anymore? Um, or can you find a brand new ending without having it foreshadowed along the way? Um, and Robin has this really great technique of working with your emergent themes, because often we are unintentionally building around certain themes as we go. And if we step back, if we have that space to step back, we can pull those out, pull, up, pull on those threads and choose to engage with them more intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so by focusing on the message or idea that's most important, um, that can give focus and clarity on what to address for the ending and what to let go of or leave unanswered. And I really love their view on that because it doesn't invalidate the work you did before. It just yes. informs how we course correct and shift that awesome stuff you wrote that might be in the background, shift it to the foreground. And I think that, like, I just want to echo on that where um, it's important to, like, have those themes, like, pre-established and write them down when you're thinking about them so that when you're going through and editing, you have sort of a, okay, these are the things that I'm trying for in the story. And I think Dane said that earlier, too. It's where it's have those little like the four or five things that make your story what it is Mm -hmm. and that and having that list that you can go back to and peek over and go okay this is what uh is going to guide all your decisions around theme and context and what to put in the foreground too Mm -hmm. um and what and that's just it's really important to have that identified up front Mm-hmm. It'll make your life a lot easier. <laughs> I, it, it does make things easier, but like I'm here to say, like even if you don't have that, or even if that's changed for you, there is still hope because like somewhere your subconscious is doing this work for you and like yes. putting in the things that oh, are important, yeah. important for you. So like, uh, absolutely have some some guiding stars, some guiding principles and goals, and um and also look out for the things that you didn't even realize you were putting in there, like. <laughs> It's such a cool process. I love it. It is. Yes, it I is. definitely put this in on purpose. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and like it's cool when you do reread your work and you're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Hey, wait. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is a cool theme that's happening. Oh yeah, I meant that. <laughs> that's why I always like uh I'm constantly trying to check in with myself, so to speak. That's one of the things that I always look for every every few months is just to 
sit down with my own story for a little bit and Mm -hmm. think about what are the things that I'm trying to say here? What are my goals with this chapter, with these characters, with this world? And uh, just try to try to see where where I'm going with everything. And sometimes peer critique can really help to crystallize these things, even if that's not what they're trying to tell you about as they're reading it. Sometimes they hit on something as they're reading over a scene and they're talking to you about it that just makes you realize like, oh, that is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you can lean into that. Yeah. It's it's really cool to discover, you know, about your work, like more so in these instances where we do editing and whatnot and hear from each other in our little groups that we have because, you know, uh, the work grows more uh, as well when we do these steps for ourselves and for the readers in future when edits are made or anything like that or again like you said to lean into these ideas that you've had so it's just you know honestly editing is definitely part of the the the, the full process of stuff like that and to kind of like get a hold of it uh it's just definitely it, it could be difficult um with the process that kind of goes along with it you know Delphi describing uh the way that she kind of handles uh the largeness that is Somulus and uh going through those getting ready for the kickstarter it can be kind of intimidating hearing this as a reader who's just starting out or you know has a lot of edits to do so like editing comes with a certain mindset to set yourself up for success and like you know what are the emotional challenges that come with editing and how do you handle them um so for me um it could be really hard to edit my own work when I'm still in the middle of it. Um, and it can also be really discouraging if you're a little too much of a perfectionist and you see some things that are not right. So you think it's all cringy and bad and you get so <laughs> frustrated by everything that you want to take a wrecking ball to all of it and start again, or <laughs> you, you spend your energy on some of those lower tier proofreading or rendering edits. Um, but that doesn't actually fix the deeper visual clarity fixes or developmental editing fixes that you really need. Um, So being careful where you spend your energy is a big thing. Um, If you're having trouble, this is where asking a peer who likes your work, you know, Mm -hmm. what's really working for you? What am I best at? Um, And taking a few of those responses, comparing them to your gut feelings about what's working for you and really framing your editing session as an act of celebrating the parts that you love, bringing that good stuff to the foreground and pruning away the things that are holding it back or obscuring it. Um, Because I just find it so rewarding that even if we're not doing it consciously, there are valuable techniques and directions in almost everything we do. And once we give it time to start seeing the patterns where something keeps popping up and you're doing it well, um, we can start doing that intentionally. Yes. Um, but you do have to come to an understanding of the problems and merits of the original work to make it effective. Um, and that takes practice. Um, that takes a level of attention to your to the body of your work on a macro scale. Um, and so you kind of have to step out so you're not seeing um, the trees and you can see the whole forest. Um And I think another thing you can do to practice your editing skills um, is look at other works that you enjoy, see what makes them tick. Um, Robin and I were talking about The Good Place, which is a very character-focused series. And um, you can see when you rewatch it after knowing how it ends, how they drop in lines, how they're showing somebody, how somebody acts at the muffin stand or what they puff themselves up about when they're bummed out and those are just really small scenes um but they were all bricks towards building each character's arcs and it's just Mm -hmm. just kiss (laughs) um and the part i really take away when i look at media like that it's little things that can be folded in and built upon you don't always have to come up with big scenes big speeches dramatic fights to Mm -hmm. show something really profound and impactful um so just take a look take a good look at the stuff that's got impact for you um 
and or if you have an amazing webcomic friend, talk to them about what you like about their comic and how yes. they came up with it. Because we all freaking love talking about our characters. Yep. <laughs> and um, <laughs> whatever you learn, you can kind of bring that back to your own work and, and really start from a place of positive energy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it, it is a tool for building, not for destroying. Um, it should be a normal part of your process um, and something that you really um, celebrate instead of getting discouraged about. Um, I think we can be real hard on ourselves about it as an all or nothing practice and that's not healthy or productive. So um, in whatever way it makes sense for your goals and process, just um, normalize it and, and celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's like you said, it's it's really easy to kind of get lost in the sauce of perfectionism. Um, and, you know, again, with this ever changing kind of medium, it's you're going to see these things that maybe you're just you're not as proud of this page as you thought you were or, you know, it didn't get the reaction that you thought it was going to happen. But, you know, it's good to wait to see it out and then to reflect. Uh, I think a lot of self-reflection goes a long way uh, with self-editing. Um, And to kind of hone in and understand, you know, what do I want from this and how do I feel about it? Uh, Mm -hmm. Thane, I want to ask you the same kind of question, like, you know, getting into the mindset during editing, like how how do you deal with this? Uh, Well, accepting that your work was not perfect the first time around can definitely (laughs) be its own mental hurdle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it can, it can make critique or like offhand comments that seem to be getting at something you didn't mean to do. It it can feel deeply embarrassing Mm -hmm. in the moment that you're getting them. And that sort of shame can, can make it hard for some folks to, to even hear critique at all or to think about edits without first feeling that like intense, like you know turmoil mm-hmm. um and i mean i'm not gonna say that i don't feel this at all anymore i've been doing web comics for years and years but like you know the feelings are still there on some level like this is this is a personal work that i'm making because i love it and uh i care <laughs> i care about how it's coming across um and if i'm if i'm struggling with that i try to kind of combat it by like just clock out for a little bit yep. and uh do something like little indulgent like think about my inspirations go back to the things that like that make me feel good Mm -hmm. and just kind of build the meter back up again so that once I actually sit down to start tackling these things and to edit because I know that editing is is a is a good thing (laughs) to do regularly and I want my story to be as good as it can be Uh, but I want to make sure that when I'm sitting down to do those edits that I'm totally focused on the story and not on like you know whatever whatever struggle it is that I'm having on the inside, I'm having a bad day or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then the the other thing uh, that, I, that I feel I've seen around, um, there's sometimes this perception that if you have a webcomic that's been going live and updating regularly for a certain amount of time, some folks might feel like it's unprofessional to like change pages that have already been posted online or to like take a break because you're editing or something. Um, but I have, I have surreptitiously, uh, uploaded over something like 40 pages in Witchwood and most of them, nobody even noticed at all. Uh, (laughs) I feel like after a scene has been online for a good couple months, like the readers have moved on already, uh, and they'll go back and reread and they'll be like, wow, this scene is a little different than I remember, but they might not even realize unless you tell them (laughs) that it's been (laughs) straight up changed. It's true. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! People have like chipmunk brain a lot of times. On <laughs> yeah, certain take things. take advantage of that. <laughs> just just make the story the best version, mm-hmm. and uh, people people will not notice as much as you think they will. I promise. Yep. Well, comic time is your brain bleach. Yeah. Go, yes. listen, go listen to <laughs> episode four to hear more about webcomic time. <laughs> And and like that's the other thing that people need to consider too when creating a webcomic and you're like, ah, I can't edit because it's live and it's perfect and people will notice. Um, like Fane said, most of the time, 98% of the time, they probably won't because they're also reading a bajillion other comics at the same time too. 
Uh, so, you know, information comes in, information goes out. So, you know, unless you're like retconning maybe a giant, huge, epic death of a character that's already happened and you're like, ha they're alive. Um, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, whatever works for your comic, it's whatever. Uh, I wouldn't honestly worry about it. I would just be like, you know what? This is not true to the vision. Editing time. It's happening. Bam. Pages uploaded, you know, and then just continue on the great <laughs> editing process and creating the comic as well. Um, Get back on board the crazy train. <laughs> I love that you keep talking about that crazy right. train. <laughs> What can uh, I say? <laughs> oh, Rennie, tell me about how you feel with this, uh, you know, yeah, mindset. I, I, I do want to echo the, 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 uh, if you're feeling things, you know, those are definitely valid. Everybody feels those things. And that's when, uh, it's when those feelings get intense. That's usually a good sign to like, you know, take a step back, play the things that you, that inspired you, like Thane said, um, but I think that a lot of editing comes with you have to go in with a mindset that the person you who is editing you is there to help you mm-hmm. and that everyone there want is no one's there to flex or like, I see, I'm the better comic uh, person. Mm-hmm. No one's doing that. Um, and if they're doing that, they're not a good editor and you should fire them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's editing should be a collaborative process where like the way I love looking at it is I see editing as a puzzle and that like the story is a story is this big puzzle that um, needs to be, you know, sort of it's something's off that you got to like slide everything into place just right. And then you'll get the access to the room with the golden monkey. Um, (laughs) And uh, and I and I personally find that stuff very fun. So that's sort of the way that I've framed things in my mind so that when I go into editing sessions, it's a, okay, what puzzle are we going to solve today? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when you do solve that puzzle, it feels great. And you're like, and you get the, at least I get this burst of energy of, okay, I know how to fix this. I know that this is going to be great. And half the time you come out of that and feeling like, okay, most of the stuff that I have in there is already good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's just changing one or two things that th- my, may, they may be minor things or they may be major things. Like I'm about to retcon a fairly major thing that I'll probably have to make an announcement because people will notice. Um, and I think that's fine. Um, but it should be fun to edit your own work. Um, and that that's not to say dismiss or discount the fact that it can be very exhausting mentally and emotionally. Um, so one of the other things that I like to do is I do have those that break time built in immediately after an editing session where I will take like a day or two afterwards and you know digest it and process it and think about, okay, how do I want to incorporate the solution in mm-hmm. in a way that's fun for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the base rule of everything is it should be fun. Yeah. It could definitely um, feel like you said, overwhelming, like, you know, having your beta readers being like, okay, uh, this panels, this, this panels, this, this is incorrect here. This is like, you know, a spelling mistake, you know, there's this happening, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and the list is huge. And you're like, ah, I need time to just think exactly. about it. <laughs> and, and like, like your comic is going to take you years to make. Yeah. And, so you don't have to do anything quickly um, and like you don't have to go in and fix everything immediately as soon as you find it. And I think that like being able to be like, OK, here's the problem. Here's the solution we came up with. Um, the solution should be something that works for your own workflow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the one of the things that I've always found is uh, a good way to place to start. Like in that question earlier about uh, how do you put the brakes on the process and Mm -hmm. prevent from going too far with the editing. Uh, Before I start on something, I'll try to sit down and outline the scope of the edits, which might be more than one edit. Maybe there's three or four scenes that I'm looking at or like a whole bunch of individual pages. And I'll try to kind of make like a list or take screen caps of all the pages that I want to be editing and paste them all together in one big canvas document so that I can look at them all together. 
and see exactly how big is this edit yes. overall. That's and really I mean, idea. sometimes over the course of doing that, I might realize that like some of it's actually going to be easier than I thought. Maybe I don't need to redraw this, but I can use the existing art and tweak the dialogue mm-hmm. in little ways and it'll totally change the vibe of the scene yes. and bring it closer to whatever it is that I actually want to do. Uh, I find that that's pretty helpful in terms of like keeping things manageable and uh, within within reason. Big agree. And it's like, uh, and I think we said this also on the critique episode where it's so important to understand the scope going in because then like, then not only will you sort of know what to expect out of it, you can set your expectations and psych yourself up. Um, but your editor will also understand what exactly you were looking for. So they'll be able to spend just the right amount of time focusing on the things that they want. So then both of you and your editor will come out of that feeling good. Um, and I think that's that's just the biggest key. And I think that a lot of times newer creators, and I speak from experience myself on this, is it's very easy to get into editing and like, as, as you're growing, there are things that you're going to realize of, oh, I didn't realize this. I didn't understand how to do this because I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very easy to like be hard on yourselves. I know I can, you know, it's very easy to get very hard on yourselves, but you have to like understand that you know, you're on your own journey and that your peers have gotten the, where they are through a lot of work and a lot of learning and a lot of the mistakes that you're also making. So um, it's all part of the process and it's all part of the journey and embrace that and embrace the learning aspects of you are growing and you are taking in new information so that your future work can be even better. Um, And it's just don't be so hard on yourselves. It's, you know, you're doing the best you can. Yeah. And and definitely like, you know, what Delphi said uh, with her, uh, conversation with Robin is that you know don't discredit the merit of of your previous work like you know everything is valid that you've done everything that you've done even if you have retcon pages and and cut x y z out it's always a learning opportunity and it's always a place to get stronger for your next pages and for the future so embracing those moments to become better is honestly a, an excellent opportunity to to be the very best you know that you can like keep edit our recording again oh that's cool yeah yeah so i just hit the new recording button and it starts a second one and it shows up in the same drive folder oh that's sexy so uh so yeah that's why i wanted to mash the emergency escape button okay uh (laughs) but continue all right so i wanted to say uh that it's 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 really important uh, and kind of echoing back with what Delphi said in her conversation with Robin about, you know, the merit of your work. And, you know, that's it's it's really important to be like that is still valid. Everything that you have done is still valid. The pages that you've cut out, the scenes, X, Y, Z, everything is valid because it was always a learning opportunity and you are going to be stronger at the end of the process or the end of the chapter, or the end of the page, you know, there's, there's so many things going on with web comics that you're growing from and, you know, take those small moments of victory to really pat yourself on the back that you've made, you know, it as far as you did. And on a, on a practical note, you can also uh, use that for efficiency's sake Whenever I'm doing editing, I always try to find ways to do as little work as possible for the maximum amount of impact. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'll save all my original pages. So maybe at some point down the line, I'll even be able to reuse those panels in mm-hmm. some future scene. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I might I might be able to do all kinds of things with that stuff. It's like a collage sometimes while I'm working on an edit, like <laughs> just kind of taking what's there and rearranging it a little bit. And it turns out that the the context is totally different and it's working for something different now. Yeah. I actually, um, I just discovered this too, because I have like this kind of graveyard of various pages that I've started (laughs) and they went anywhere. (laughs) I didn't go in that direction. And I recently started just making a little, um, the document for each individual character and 
copying and pasting like faces I liked that I drew that character and just putting them in this document and making a little collage, like you said. And then later um, when I'm drafting something, maybe I'm having a low energy art day. I'm like, I don't want to draw a hand pointing in that perspective. I, I've done it before. I know I've done it before, but like today I just <laughs> cannot. So I go into the file and I find that character and they're pointing in the way I want. And I just drop it in there and that gets me going. You know, the page isn't blank anymore. So eventually I can, you know, retrace that or, or do something. Yeah. It's never wasted. And that's like, that just felt so good. Like, yeah, yeah, it it was good. R-E-C-Y-C-L-E, recycle. And, you know, honestly. That was Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, my goodness. Blast from the past. Oh, my God. Oh, but, like, you know, to echo everybody's statements, kind of vibes. Vibes. To echo everybody's vibes with all of this, it's it's just really important to be like making this uh, process that editing is um, make it a staple in in the whole kind of uh, production of your web comic and make it easy for you to kind of tackle as well. It's not something you have to do right away, and it's not something you have to do all at once. But you know, look at the scope of the work that you're creating gather some peers the webcomic community honestly is one of my favorite ones a lot of people are really really eager to learn from each other and to talk about each other's art comics stories i've met a lot of crazy and amazing people here so i would embrace these opportunities to kind of just you know join some little servers that you can um, talk about their work, read their work, get inspired by each other, and then, you know, kind of see where it takes you from there as far as editing goes. Uh, and with that, uh, I think that is uh, another Chicken Salad Caesar wrap. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And I've been your host, Crispy. And you can check out my work at ghostjunksickness.com. I am Delphina, and you can check out my work, Sombulus, at Sombulus.com. I am Varathane, and you can find my comics at Chirelt.7smith.net or at WitchwoodComic.com. And I've been Rani, and you can find my comics at CapeBlast.com. Gosh, editing is good. I was freaking <laughs> loving it. this podcast. See you around, slappers. Oh, oh yeah, hey! This part, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Screen Tones. Please subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Screen Tones Cast. Mm-hmm.